it's Loom Group's Andrea Lay, Backview's Melissa Burdick, the wizard of Woodland Hills Shree, and I'm PVSB from Flywheel, a division of Omnicom, and I'm coming to you today from the Catskills. Be playing Heckinger's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 6th, and it's time for the Fresh Four, for curated news stories from the past week. We find them dependably intriguing. We hope you do too. We're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence news, retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Over to you, Shree. In case you're wondering what this background is, I'm at, I'm at my father-in-law's house all the way in Chennai, India for the next couple of weeks. So what's the message of the week? Kroger Precision Marketing strikes a partnership with none other than Yahoo DSP. So Yahoo DSP advertisers now have access to KPM's audiences for both reach and measurement. Partnership marks KPM's second DSP partnership since last fall and ushers in a new focus on commerce media for Yahoo advertising in particular. Collaborations like this one will define the next phase of growth in retail media as retailers recognize the limitations of monetization on their own digital properties and seek incremental growth by expanding offsite. This is said by Sara Marzano, principal analyst at eMarketer. For advertisers, the delayed but still impending deprecation of third-party cookies, which is now on its way, continues to underpin every decision regarding digital advertising dollars. So solutions that safeguard their investments against that hold increasing appeal. Over to you, Andrea. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. Walmart adds a new grocery line to its private brand's portfolio. Walmart has announced a new private label grocery brand called Better Goods. The line includes 300 items spanning categories such as frozen, dairy, snacks, beverages, pasta, soups, coffee, and chocolate. With most items priced under $5, Better Goods focuses on three key components, culinary experiences, plant-based, and made without. The retailer said Better Goods marks not only its largest private food brand launch in two decades, but also its fastest grocery brand brought to market. Over to you, Melissa. Thanks, Andrea. Uh, so, Savemark companies roll out in-store retail media networks. It's not enough that we have online. Now we're moving to in-store retail media networks. The Savemark companies plans to roll out in-store connect, an in-store retail media network powered by Quad Graphics Inc. To start, 16 of the grocery company stores will have digital screens, kiosks, end caps, shelf screens, and vertical banners throughout, allowing CPG partners to showcase promotions, product information, and recommendations to shoppers. The program will eventually roll out to all the Savemark companies, approximately 200 stores. This is Savemark's latest retail media effort, coming almost a year after a launch of its own retail media network. Over to you, Peter. Thanks, Melissa. Rite Aid expands Uber Eats' partnership for alcohol delivery in eight states. Nearly 1,000 Rite Aid stores will now offer alcohol delivery via retailers' expanded partnership with Uber Eats. Customers of legal drinking aid can get delivery from select stores in California, Idaho, Michigan, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Virginia, and Washington. Quote, our collaboration and trusted partnership with Uber Eats underscores our commitment to meet the evolving needs of our customers and providing a seamless digital shopping experience complements their busy lives, unquote, said Jeannie Walden, Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at Rite Aid, the U.S.'s third largest pharmacy retailer. That's it for the Fresh Four. Now on to the CPG Guys episode that you've downloaded. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our hosts, Sri Raj Kapalan, 
Peter V.S. Bolland, and Brian Gildenberg. Explore how brands and retailers engage consumers in an increasingly digitally driven world. And now, here are the CPG guys. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the CPG Guys podcast, where we explore the omni-channel digital journey of brands and retailers alike. It's Women's Month on the CPG Guys, and every year in November, we only feature female executives, startup founders, and leaders from CPG brands and retail on the podcast. This is one of several episodes featuring one such great female leader and a career in retail. I'm, of course, your co-host, Shri, and please do listen to my daughter's music at www.riaraj.com. R-H-E-A-R-A-J.com and follow the exciting adventures of my younger daughter at Dream Academy by Hyben Geffen Records on YouTube or Instagram. Joining me today is, of course, my close friend and co-founder of the podcast, my best friend. He's a loyalty and insights expert, and when he's not podcasting, he serves as partnership acceleration lead at the newly rebranded Flywheel. Please join me in welcoming my best friend, Mr. Bond. How are you doing today? Sure, it's been a busy... I like the bow tie. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm trying to class it up here. I figured, you know, we got some impressive uh, people here we're talking to today. So I wanted to look a little spiffy. I see you're wearing the new Hawaiian CPG guys shirt that I got you. And oh, you got the sticker on your water jug. Wow, we are. There's a good reason that our biggest line of expenses is not travel. It's actually swag, at least according to our accountant. But uh, no, it's been a busy week, Sri. Obviously, the rebranding of Flywheel, the unification of the 11 brands, and then um, was in New York for a big conference, saw a lot of our industry friends, saw your sister-in-law. It was crazy, but I'm doing great. I'm looking forward to today's conversation. Thank you for that, Peter. And before we get to our guests, let me remind everyone to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And if you use Apple or Spotify, do give us a rating. It helps feed the algorithm, makes our podcast more findable, and more importantly, also informs us how we're doing if we have the right guests. We want to express how honored we are to be rated the number one CPG podcast for two years running, according to Feedspot, the leading podcast ranking authority in the U.S., and we're pleased to have join us in our top 30, our sister cast, CPG Scoop, CPG Guys Fast Forward, and the FMCG Guys. And we're happy to be formal sponsors of Next Up, whose mission is to advance all women in business. We're giving away memberships to this prestigious network and organization. So drop us a line at contact.cpgguys.com. Again, an email to contact.cpgguys.com to learn more and take advantage of what Nextup has to offer. Links to our podcast, our sister cast, our landing page on Nextup. Peter, we have a landing page on Nextup. How about that? That makes us official. Maybe found in the digital liner notes of this episode. So let's get to our guest. She started a career in retail at none other than Safeway. Rose to merchandising leadership has been an SVP of merchandising, a chief merchant at Giant Food, and recently SVP in ADUSA Company's newly formed commercial organization, playing a lead role in the group's omni-channel evolution. She's also a fellow board member with me on Next Up Advancing Gender Equality. Tanya Herring, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us in this special month. How are you? Great. I'm doing great. Thank you both for having me. I've listened to lots of your podcasts before, so I'm super honored and excited to be here today. Tanya, before we get to the questions we've prepared, would you give us a brief description of your current role? Sure. Well, I'm in a bit of limbo right now. My team and I sit with um, Peapod Digital Labs, the digital and e-commerce company for Ajo Del Hayes USA. But shortly, we'll move over into the commercial organization being stood up in retail business services, which our chief commercial officer, Roger Wheeler, leads. 
But regardless of where I'm sitting at the moment, I'm fully focused on growing omni-channel and particularly how we create a more seamless omni-channel experience for our internal teams, our vendor partners, and of course, our customers. And at the core of everything we do every day, it's to provide great support to each one of ADUSA's amazing retail brands. Food Lion, Giant Food, The Giant Company, Hannaford, and Stop and Shop. As you may know, these brands comprise the largest grocery retail group on the East Coast. Thank you for that awesome overview, Tonya. Yes, indeed. Omnichannel, that's the way of the shopper today. So much needed there. In the digital liner notes of the episode, of course, we'll include links to your LinkedIn profile for our listeners to access while we go on with our conversation. So I'm going to kick us off with the first question I have for you, Tanya. Take us through what a fascinating career journey. And you touched me when you kind of talked about how you started in retail and where you are today. So take us through your career journey of how you actually got started in retail over the last couple of decades, how you rose to merchandising leadership at Giant to now, and then you adapted to omni-channel and digital leadership as well. Great. Um, So I had no idea what I was going to do for my grown up job. And so I went and applied for a job at a local Safeway store in Northern California because they had great benefits and they were free. So that's kind of how my career started. But I quickly learned about the many opportunities at Safeway and in the grocery business. And that's what really led my path and my long-term career growth. So I spent 23 years with Safeway in elevating roles, but want to assure you that I did not climb the corporate ladder. I managed a jungle gym of lateral moves. So I held three manager roles, six director roles spanning operations, merchandising and marketing before finishing my career with Safeway as the vice president of category development for private brands. So I just like to say, remember, don't look up, only look up when you're talking career growth, be sure to look beside you as well. But after the Albertsons merger, I made the decision to move across the country to Pennsylvania to become the senior vice president of non-perishable merchandising for then what was called Ahold USA. So I had a new company, a new position, and a new part of the business that I had never managed before. So I made a bet on myself, and I'm still truly thankful for the opportunity. However, as it is so commonplace in our ever-changing industry, just as I was getting settled, more changes came my way. So Ahold and Delhaze announced their intent to merge, and that's what led my move to be the chief merchant role at Giant Food in Maryland. So while it was another relocation, I was excited to put all my experience together to build and lead the Giant Food team. So in the eight years that I've been at Ahold Delhaize USA companies, I've held three senior vice president roles, kind of doing that lateral jungle gym again. And today I'm leading the commercial omni-channel development team, an opportunity that I'm really excited about. Wow. Terrific. Thank you for that background overview of your career. And I love that you describe it as a jungle gym. I think about I have one in my backyard and my four and a half year old daughter loves to crawl it and I watch her going 
to your point, sideways, up, down, whatever, and it's about getting the full experience. Um, welcome to the podcast, Tanya. We're really excited to have you here today. Let's talk a little bit about leadership attributes, because as you've moved through the organization, had different ones, you've had varying sizes of organizations that you've been responsible for leading. I'd love to get your sense, generally speaking, what leadership attributes have really served you well and championed success in your career as a result. So I think self-awareness is incredibly important. So I spent hours and hours exploring all the different leadership styles that are out there. And as I began my role as the chief merchant, I decided to just be me and that was going to be okay. So authenticity really comes from finding your own style, your way of leading, and that best has served me, my team, and my organization. And additionally, in this new hybrid environment, I've really learned that relationships and connections are even more important than ever before. So while we're all in the business of products and consumers, it's really about the people. My favorite quote to reference is by Maya Angelou, where she says, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. People desire connection, especially in the workplace. So I truly believe and live that a healthy, connected relationship with you and those on your team and amongst your team members is vital to success. I also deeply believe we can't be successful without collaboration. Again, up, down, across, diagonally. As leaders, we aim to increase cooperation, productivity, and effectiveness in achieving common goals. And the only way to really do that is by coming together and collaborating. But there are also many other attributes that have served me well. Building trust by setting clear expectations and holding everyone equally accountable. Um, motivating my team by clearing the way so that they're able to do their work as efficiently as possible. Investing in my team's professional development by knowing their goals and giving them the opportunity to learn and develop the skills needed for each step. So I would say all of those have really championed my career. Tanya, you mentioned the word team, people, trust. You know, clear expectations multiple times back then. The CPG guys could not agree more with you. We completely believe that, you know, there are leadership values of an individual, but finding a good team that supports them, works with them, and delivers is equally important. So, and a successful leader aims at doing that. So, what do you look for in a team? And then, how do you personally stand up as a leader and build such great teams? First, I think you have to find those that are engaged and capable of advancing the organization's mission. And I personally always lead by example. Um, I believe in demonstrating the expectations and the behaviors that I expect. I also make sure not to ask anyone to do something that I'm unwilling to do myself. Like I said, I set very clear goals and objectives so that we're all rowing in the same direction. But I also want my team to trust me as I trust them 
because trust is particularly important when your people are based in multiple locations all across the country, which my current team is. So I surround myself with people who are great communicators and cooperate with others, but also willing to speak out when they're not aligned or they see something that causes them to pause. I look for strategic thinkers, problem solvers, and those who are adaptable as they thrive in the rapidly changing environment. Great leaders also embrace diversity. The most effective teams embrace different skill sets, experience levels, and professional backgrounds. The best teams also embrace different cultures, lifestyles, and generations. The communities that we serve are very diverse, and I want to make sure my team is reflecting those communities. Tanya, you mentioned at one point in your career you had uh, omni-channel responsibilities, and as you got into that you clearly understand that we live in a very omni-channel world. Um, we as shoppers shop online, we shop offline, every combination in between. The pandemic had a profound effect upon how everyone shopped to one degree or another in an omni-channel world. How do you make sure that you are up to speed on everything that is going on in this transformational omni-channel world we live in right now? Yeah, that's an easy one. Every day, we're kind of living in the trends, the new norms. So one thing I love about the grocery business is that we are such an integrated part of customers' lives from the moment they wake up in the morning until they go to bed at night. But what was challenging about the pandemic was really the speed at which things were changing. So overnight, our entire office workforce went remote. And over that same night, we saw e-commerce sales explode. So there really was no other option other than to adapt. And that's what we did. We really leaned into the qualities we've always had as retailers, passion for our communities and unfailing dedication to our customers. We supported and trusted one another as a team and learned as we went. But now that we're on the other side, the world is forever changed. And as I said earlier, workplace dynamics and relationships are moving ahead at a new normal. And our customer shopping patterns have a new normal, too. Um, you were right to ask the question in terms of omni-channel. We are now in an omni-channel world, and it's not one size fits all or same approach every time by a shopper. So it means we need to be there for our customers where they are and when they need us. So we have an amazing talent within our organization, ranging from those with decades long service in the industry like me to those just coming in from tech and other spaces. So we're combining the best of each other's experience to plot our path ahead in this new omni-channel world. Tonya, I've kind of learned that Myself, through the various roles I've had in the industry, I strongly feel as leaders, omnichannel skill sets are no longer negotiable. Like everyone needs to know, not, not everyone has to be an expert in everything digital. People need to know what a retail media is or retail media network is. People should have data aptitude. Again, people don't have to be experts. Would you agree that having peripheral knowledge of omnichannel is the way to go, go forward? 
I, I totally agree with you. I almost think that we're in a space where it's e-commerce and brick and mortar making omni-channel because most customers aren't shopping just one or the other. So I 100% agree with you. Omni-channel is just the new norm and should, the experience and knowledge should be expected. And Peter, you know, when they're in store, customers are in store, they're whipping out a phone, they're doing everything from checking content, ingredients, checking out pricing, all offers, ratings and reviews, all that stuff, ratings and reviews, all kinds of stuff. And on the contrary, there's still customers who walk in, they know exactly what the shopping pattern will look like. It's a basket. They made a list. They know the aisles. They walk in and out of the aisle and never touch a phone. So it's a plethora and a good complex mix. What I tell people is you need to know both. The fundamentals started knowing the in-store shelf inside out, but it gets appended by knowing the digital chef equally well as well and all the surrounding factors. So let me remind our audience that we're speaking with Tanya Herring, SVP of Omnichannel Development, supporting the Ahol Delhaize USA group of companies. Now I'm going to jump to what you and I do together. We're both on the board of directors of Next Up and the passion as well as the role that both of us have on that is advancing all women in business. So I'd love to know your involvement. How did you get involved? How did you get to know Next Up exists? How did you then join the board? And then what are you personally focused on both on the board as well as in the people and communities you touch every day at the job? And just humans you touch every day outside the job as well in the communities. So I started participating next up back when it was new network of executive women many, many, many moons ago. Um, but I, I say that to say, still remember my very first event. It was in the Northern California region. And I was just so impressed with the number of amazing women I saw that day and how accomplished they all were. Um, less now than back then, but grocery is still a male-dominated industry. So meeting all these women kind of gave me confidence that I really could achieve more than even kind of what I was thinking I could achieve. So in that work, I realized the importance of networking, and I was painfully shy at first. So I took a lot of time and effort to overcome my shyness and really start connecting with these women, um, which provided a really strong sense of encouragement for me. So I participated in the events, the forums, the summits. And in 2021, it all kind of came full circle for me because I was asked to be a speaker for the Mid-Atlantic region. So I reflected on my very first event and was really honored and grateful that they asked me to speak. So then last year, I was asked if I wanted to be on the board by the CEO of our company, and I was really honored once again to be asked. I'm passionate about advancing women, especially those from underserved or historically excluded background or communities. That's what I do um, in my personal life. So next up's mission of advancing all women aligns with my passion. I'm still getting my feet under me as a board member, but I want to have an impact on helping companies identify and develop future talent and not just the traditional high po or high potential talent. 
but really help companies identify the hidden talent, the women who are overlooked because they're quiet. They don't take those step forwards. They kind of lack the courage to be forward or bold, but who are truly incredibly talented. How can I help these women be our future leaders, even when their style is a little different than the norm? Tanya, if the pandemic onset wasn't enough to throw your arms up and have to reinvent a lot of the things that you did or modify them in a significant way, then over the last six months, with supply chains kind of recovering to the point where you don't have out of stocks or allocation or other issues like that coming from manufacturers, your ability to fully produce your private brand products to your customer satisfaction. But then you have all this inflation and then you have this massive return to stores. Like that's a lot to deal with. So how are you still adapting to continue driving omnichannel demand and consumption again for your business? So based on that pace of change, one might think you've got to innovate and need to accelerate the pace of innovation. We've taken a different approach um, that has been very effective. One of the things we've been focused on this year is work that we call back to the basics. Um, No matter how much the world has changed or how much consumers have changed, there are things that we do very well every day that are fundamental to our ability to sell groceries and nourish our local communities. So to make our strongest omni-channel play, We knew there was foundational work we needed to tackle, and we've been making amazing progress in doing that. So, for example, across all of our companies, we're moving towards a common product hierarchy. So it's easier for us to talk to one another and to our suppliers. We're aligning some structures like category desks that make our companies easy to work with. I knew we needed to launch into the future with the right springboard, and that's really what we're creating. Tanya, I'm going to go back to our discussion briefly here we had on Next Up. Well, I'm glad I got the chance to be part of this board with you, and clearly in the communities you touch, you're making a difference. I believe the purpose of Next Up is so elevated at this point that it's actually making a difference in the communities, but I've also felt we can do so much more in Next Up as the memberships can grow, the number of women we touch and move across in organizations um, into greater leadership positions like uh, positions that you've had over the course of time as a chief merchant for Giant. And um, I believe we can just do so much more, but the way we can do it as leaders in the industry is we can be visible and vocal champions in talent planning discussions and public forums would you agree, Tanya, and do you have some other ideas how we could we could continue that? Because it's much needed very much in our industry to our earlier comment. Yeah, I'm very vocal about talent. And like I said, kind of looking for the hidden talent, but equally in the talent potential that people have. I think oftentimes we overlook the people who may not be ready now, but will be incredible tomorrow. And how do we encourage companies to take a bet on some of these people, these mostly women, and unfortunately, even mostly varying cultures as well, to say that you 
may not be ready today for this role, but here's a project we're going to give you to help get you ready for that role. So I'm very vocal about it. I do a lot of mentoring and I even have like a little mentoring circle of eight women that I keep really tight reins on. We meet every month as a group and just talk about what different people are up against. Um, and my ultimate goal, just so that you both know, is that before I would retire, I would love for one of the women I mentored to like be my boss or be the CEO of some company. Um, then I'll feel like I did everything that I wanted to do. Well said, Tanya. Thank you for that. Now I'm going to flip over to the role you have in digital leadership. And one that I've experienced for the maybe last eight, 10 years myself. And that means it's a lot of influence. It's less telling, it's more listening, and it's more getting the outcomes that are required by convincing. So you have to influence your peers and not just your peers, but also other senior leaders at ADUSA and in the industry, your vendors as well. So how do you help take this to heart and drive? Because at the end of the day, the mission is delivering for your customers who have decided to go down this path of Omnichannel. Yeah, we drive Omnichannel by focusing on areas, including content, search, reviews, to help customers find and discover products and convert during their shop. So we share many of the same goals with our vendors and partner with them to optimize the experience for our shoppers. So for an example, we know it's harder for customers to quickly understand the product in front of them online than it is when they're at the store. So digital product content needs to help them understand what they are buying, what's in it, what's it used for, and more. So we have a rich digital shelf to support that customer journey with thought-out product detail pages rich in content. We rely on the vendors to build out those product detail pages with the richest content possible to help our customers on their journey. And then we also put in place image standards and more across our digital shelf to make it seamless for customers across items and categories. Reviews really allow customers to better understand and trust items they're purchasing. So to support that, we allow submissions of reviews. Vendor partnership is really key here. Most of our reviews are actually via syndication from vendor websites. So with respect to search, search is our number one add to cart location and we need to ensure we're delivering relevant results based on search terms. This includes personalization, for example, if you've bought this before, we might float it to the top. Seasonal relevance is important and we're always trying to match more systematically. So for an example, organic fruit will result in organic fruit, even though that term might not be in the product title. So vendors partner with us and help us by matching some of the semantics that we code based on the research. Tanya, thank you for that description of how you're enabling digital to ensure consumers get the products that are most relevant for them. I agree with you, uh, ratings and reviews. It's amazing how, honestly, 
we as consumers are more willing to trust a couple hundred people that we've never met than we are the actual brand copy that has come out. But uh, it's really interesting. I saw some research that was done about five years ago by an attitudinal research firm. What they said is the single biggest driver of adoption for private brands or private label is actually positive customer reviews. And the interesting reason why is because the single biggest obstacle to them buying it is actually not the price. The price is built into the equation. They're always concerned over the quality of the brand. And once they see that other consumers say, hey, the quality here is greater. Hey, it might even be better than national brands. That gets them over the hurdle and they're more willing to try that. So yeah, the more you can have ratings and reviews for your corporate brands, the more likely consumers are going to try them and they're going to end up saving money as a result of it. So very interesting, uh, very interesting details there. So Peter, so, I do have uh, one other question for Tonya in this space, right? So the industry clearly has made leaps and bounds advances over COVID because as you mentioned right up front, it wasn't a choice. But do you feel we are in a much healthier place than we were three years ago in the industry? And do you feel that's universal across everything you touch, all categories, or is there still room for improvement on the digital side? I think there's still room for improvement on the digital side. I think that the pace of change with digital and, you know, kind of e-commerce space and all of that, we can help make it even easier for the customers to shop and find what they're looking for. So I know our organization is constantly looking for, I'll use my language, call them shortcuts, to making the shopping experience even more seamless for our digital customers. So I think that we have, you're right, come a very long way in three years, but I think evolution will continue. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Tanya. I think we all have to recognize that consumers have many shopping choices and they're much more informed than they were 10, 15 years ago. We carry these smartphones into stores and it allows us to do research on the spot. And if you as a retailer aren't making it easy for consumers to find that knowledge through your mechanism, there are a bunch of other places that'll do it and they'll try and steal a consumer as they're walking through your store. I've, I've told some stories about this on the podcast previously. And so it's better that you have an opportunity to deliver that content to help them make a decision there than to let somebody else do it and run the risk that they're going to shop somewhere else, even as they're standing inside of your own four walls. But um, let me close this out and... I think this has been a really great conversation about how you have, as you mentioned, navigated the jungle gym of your career and why you're involved in Next Stop. So let's kind of bring those all together in this final question. You know, what advice do you have for other women that are looking to pursue a corporate career in the CPG retail industry? You can be anything you want to be. It'll be harder than you anticipate, but it'll also be more rewarding than you can dream. So define what you are passionate about and just keep learning. Women need to seek female and male mentors to broaden your perspective and to build on your personal knowledge and get feedback directly from your boss. All of these will help you succeed. 
But there are going to be times where you can't have it all. Personal may have to come first. There's times where work has to come first. So use your personal and professional networks to help you through those moments. Don't be afraid to ask for help. To accomplish your goals, you must ensure everyone knows what they are. Don't be silent and assume leadership knows what your aspirations are. Take the opportunity to tell them. Um, Be authentically you. Let your passion guide your career. Being your authentic self at work can be very beneficial to your mental health and your personal growth opportunities and share your personal experiences with others. And last but not least, put fear aside. Take chances, bet on yourself, not only take your seat at the table, but speak up when you get there, share your experiences, share your ideas. They are valuable and worthwhile. Well said, Tonya. You know, I tell people, male or female, If we work for a brand, it's important once we commit for the brand to deliver what we commit to ethically. That always triumphs. But equally important is what you do outside of work, the communities that you choose to live in, that one chooses to live in, our loved ones and how we support them, how our loved ones support them back. And uh, as well as the time we choose to spend with those around us. At the end of the day, you know, when we, like you said, once we're retired, Uh, It's the communities we choose to live in, the friendships we make and the networks we make include our loved ones that will support us all the way through uh, the later phase of our life. And it's important not to forget that and be a one trick pony that just comes into work every day. Uh, So let me remind the audience that you can find all of our content on cpgguys.com on a web browser. And if you think you or your company has some thought leadership to contribute to our community discussion, simply drop us an email at contact at cpgguys.com. And maybe you can join us on this podcast. Don't forget to drop us a rating at cpgcast.com on the navigation bar up top. And Peter and I and Brian are extremely thankful to our 26,000 plus followers on LinkedIn. We know that is a very large number on LinkedIn. We wouldn't have this podcast without you. And we sincerely appreciate all the DMs, the messages, the comments, and everything else you choose to participate in. Tanya, I can't thank you enough for saying yes when I asked you first, and that too for being featured on Women's Month. Thank you very much. Today was a lot of fun. Peter, it's that time. You got to tell us what we learned here. Uh, thanks, Sri, and uh, thank you, Tanya, for joining us. Yeah, I, I learned a lot from listening to Tanya talk first about managing career. It wasn't just a straight rocket shoot up. It was very much about a lot. It was like walking along a lattice or a jungle gym and understanding there are a lot of lateral moves where you learn other skills and it makes you more well-rounded and sets you up for success going forward. That being a leader is to a great extent being self-aware of who you are, what you do, what your strengths and weaknesses are, and always take care of the people that you're charged with either leading or working with. And her great quote from Maya Angelou, people will forget what you said and they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. I think about that. It's a quote I'm familiar with and I think about it quite often. And that's why it's important to understand that we don't succeed as individuals. We succeed as a collaborative 
it takes all of us and we have to understand that if we want to be successful. And that means you got to build trust. You got to honor your commitments, take responsibility for your actions and set clear expectations. Hold people accountable. Don't ask people to do things that you're not willing to do yourself. I think that is a really great trait that I think very often of. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm really good at doing certain things, but I got to at least try to be able to do them. And you got to trust your team. You got to trust your team to succeed. And when they fail, they'll take ownership for it and they'll make sure they don't fail again. And try to surround yourself with people who are very good communicators and good cooperators. And always make sure to embrace diversity. Uh, you want people around you that come from different backgrounds, being different perspectives, because if everyone's a carbon copy of you, it's going to be an echo chamber, right? The pandemic and post-pandemic world that we're now in has led to some major changes that we all had to undertake. And from Tanya's perspective as a retailer, you know, she really tried to lean into the the qualities that a retailer can always focus on, right? They're supposed to be your hometown grocer. So passion for the communities and unfailing dedication to customers is paramount if you wanted to succeed during the pandemic. Um, understanding that the grocery industry, and sure you and I know that, I was just looking at the registered list of attendees for the upcoming FMI conference, and it sure looked like a whole lot of men on that list. So making sure that we're promoting women in this industry is going to help bring that diversity in hopefully short order. I've seen definitive improvements since I got into the industry, but still a lot of room to grow there. And like you and I, Tanya is very passionate about advancing women, particularly those who are come from underserved or historically excluded backgrounds. It's why this is such, you know, you and I wouldn't be our mother sons if we didn't pursue this and foster the allyship that we love to do. From the standpoint of all the change that's going on, we talked a little bit about creating mentoring groups. That's a great way to make sure, you know, you and I have our own groups and, and we serve as allies in this entity. Very important to us to help foster the leaders of tomorrow. Um, and then, you know, what I'll say at, at the end is if you want to succeed, uh, you know, my, my, I had a boss at one point, Shreen, I've told her this story, who one day asked me, who's on your board of directors? And I thought, what do you mean? And she said, well, you have to think of yourself as a brand. And if you're a brand and you're a company, you have a board of directors. And I'm not saying you haven't formally convene a board meeting, but you have people that you trust, you turn to for advice in different areas. You know, keep those people close to you. Let them know how much you respect them and they'll just double, redouble their efforts and want to lean in to help you further. And it's very important that you give back to people as they have given to you. And if you want to be successful, let people know what your goals are. Don't keep them to yourself. No, people aren't going to know how to help you if they don't know what you're trying to do, right? So, uh, and lastly, I love your comment about taking chances and betting on yourself. Uh, to some extent, I know a couple of people who formed a podcast a little over three and a half years ago, and they took some chances, Sheree. And what do you know? Here we are, right? I would love an introduction to those podcast people, Peter, but well summarized there indeed. Tanya, it's an honor to serve with you on the board of Next Stop. Our goal is to make a difference, and I'm convinced we will. And that inflection point is coming. So thank you for joining us on this special Women's Month series. Peter, a pleasure doing this week over week with you. That's a wrap for this episode. We will see you soon on another episode of the CPG Guys. 
content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of reference to or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.